Welcome to The Wondering Mind, a mental health podcast. I'm your host, Emily Elizabeth. I created this show to help educate, encourage, and support those who are struggling with their mental health by sharing my stories, as well as the stories of others, in hopes to show you that you are not alone and you can do anything if you work hard and put your wondering mind to it. So let's get started. Today's episode features Jocelyn Schlegel. She is a registered nurse and sexual assault nurse examiner. She is currently in school to become a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner, and in August, she helped to start the Justice Day Association. The Justice Day Association is a nonprofit that helps those affected by abuse find a community of support and empowerment. So if you'd like to learn more about Jocelyn's journey, then keep on listening. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning into The Wondering Mind, a mental health podcast. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. This show is in no way meant to treat or diagnose any type of mental illness. I am not a mental health professional, simply just someone who has struggled and felt called to share what I've learned and am learning along my mental health journey. Thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Wondering Mind podcast. I'm your host, Emily Elizabeth, and I'm so excited because today I have a very special guest with me. I have Jocelyn Schlegel. She's the founder of the Justice Day Association. So welcome, Jocelyn. I'm so excited to have you here today. Hello. I'm so glad that you asked me to be a part of this. I'm excited. We're going to talk about a lot of things today, and I'm really excited for people to hear your story and to hear why you started the Justice Day Association. I think it's very inspiring. So let's just dive into some of the questions. Sounds good. So you are a nurse, and more specifically, you are a nurse in the sexual assault examination realm. So can you tell us why you decided a career in this field? I mean, just starting off, diving right into everything, mainly from personal experience. Also, it's something that is unique. As a nurse, you get the opportunity, obviously, to work with patients and do direct patient care, but sexual assault uh, nurse examiners get an even greater sense of caring for the patient as a whole because you not only are getting to talk to the patient, but you get to treat the patient. You get to be their support system. You kind of meet them where they are and help them decide what route is best for them in that moment. And that's very unique. Not a lot of careers allow you to get that opportunity to really take care of someone in all senses and not just physically, not just mentally, we do it all. So I really like that sense of it, but just having experience in the past dealing with sexual abuse from a personal standpoint, I was just, I felt very called to be a part of this, pursue this career. So since you've had previous experience with sexual abuse in your past, 
working with these types of patients, does that ever trigger you? And if it does, how are you able to kind of work through that? So at first I thought it was going to, but I will say I've been going to counseling for it for several years. So I think there are triggers sometimes, but it's, it's not anything like it was before. So I would not recommend jumping into this career if you don't have a good, solid support base as far as knowing what your triggers are and how to cope with things. So I will say that first and foremost, but also every case that I see is so unique. I see my abuse that I endured as very unique as well. So there are similarities sometimes, but I really try to just listen to whatever the person is saying and and just take them for what their story is, how they're feeling, and try to really be in the moment. And I think that helps to not take it so personally because I don't, I don't put it on myself. I don't try to make connections. I literally am just there with the patient, absorbing everything that they're saying and not bringing in my own feelings and views and experiences. Right. Try not to kind of compare your experience to theirs. Right. Right. Yeah. So are you comfortable at all with kind of talking about your experience? Do you mind sharing just to allow people to understand a little bit better where you're coming from? Yeah, absolutely. I think I've been very, very fortunate with the support that I've had, with the the experiences I've had. I've just been kind of granted this platform, I would say, honestly, because not everyone is able to share their experiences. Not everyone is in the right mind frame or have the right people around them that can be accepting and understanding. So I think because of my situation, I was very fortunate to be able to talk about it. So I'm very open to talking about it. So basically, when I was 14, I started going to a youth group with a friend and a little while down the road, I went to this the youth minister of this youth group about a little less than a year later. Um, I felt very connected to him and I was, my family was going through a really hard time. So I went to counseling with him and that kind of just spiraled and he took advantage of me and the sexual abuse happened from basically the time that counseling started up until I was like 20 years old. So through high school and into college. And I was not myself at all. I I mean, I had been totally manipulated. and, And honestly, that's the base of all abuse is manipulation. I think the, the physical aspects are just the manifestations of the manipulation and the different tactics, but the manipulation is first and foremost, the hardest part to accept and to uh, move past and to understand that that was actually what was happening. I was in a really dark place because I'm 20 years old, I'm in college, I'm starting to like realize that this was not normal, it was not okay, and felt very alone because he had isolated me so much. So I 
was having a very, very difficult time in school. And I started seeing a counselor through school. Thankfully, they provided free counseling and it was great. And that just kind of opened up my eyes to everything that was going on. I, when I first went to them, I actually thought I was just crazy. I was convinced I didn't know what reality was anymore. And I was very depressed. I was suicidal. I was just, I was not me at all. I, I felt like a zombie every single day. I didn't, I, I couldn't be happy for anything. I couldn't even feel sad. I was just like this all the time. I was so, I was flat. So I went to them and said, I think something is wrong with me mentally. I think I have a problem. And the, the counselor showed me the uh, cycle of abuse chart. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> this is, this does not apply to me whatsoever. And she was like, no, actually, maybe we need to talk about this a little bit. And so after a few months of counseling, I finally was able to realize what I had been through for the last five, six years. And it was very eye-opening. I was able to get out of the situation and ultimately report it to the police and he got convicted. So it, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy that it worked out for me because I see so many people in my field of work who that is not the case at all. That is not how it plays out for them. It was just kind of, I had the resources available to me and was able to take advantage of those in a timely manner. And so I'm very fortunate for that. And because of that, I think I, I have a good platform that I'm able to talk about it in a very safe space and kind of be a voice for people who can't talk about it. So is that typically why you started the Justice Day Association so that for those that didn't have a similar experience to you that was as successful in the end, you could help uplift and give them more of a voice? Yes. I think that and, I mean, I think everyone, if they could go back and help their younger selves, I think anyone would. And I think if we all try to embody that and think, what would I have needed 10 years ago? If I could go back and be in my life 10 years ago, how could I have helped? How could I have gotten myself through a situation? How could I have, you know, encouraged myself, been there for myself? And so really that was kind of my thinking behind Justice Day. I was so, so alone. I mean, it's hard to even think about how different of a person I was. I mean, it's really amazing what depression will do to you. I mean, it, it, it totally changes who you are and going through that and being so alone, what I needed was people. I needed people around me who would listen to me and not judge me and be able to give me, give me any advice if I need, felt like I needed it. I didn't have the support system anymore that I had before because he strategically removed all those people from my life. It's crazy. It, I mean, it happens over years and years and years, but that's very typical for chronic abuse, especially chronic sexual abuse. 
and children, they will slowly pick out the support systems that those people have. So I lost all those. So whenever I was finally to the point where I knew something was wrong, I didn't have anyone else to turn to. That was the worst feeling, honestly. And that's what led to a lot of suicidal thoughts. And I mean, I got to the point, I was literally one time driving down the road, like yelling at myself. Like I was, I don't even, it's so for nothing. I don't even, I don't even understand it, but it was such a low and scary time for me that Justice Day is trying to help me from, you know, several years ago. If Justice Day was a thing and I knew about it at that time, things might have been a little different. And I would have been able to talk to people, reach out to people who might be able to give me a little greater understanding. At that time, I was, I was so confused. I was calling like sexual assault hotlines, but it's really hard to answer those questions that they ask when you're not even really sure if it was wrong or not, because you, you had been saying it was wrong, but he was saying it was not wrong. And so it makes you question your reality and your sanity. And so I really needed someone to be there in the moment with me and help me puzzle, piece together everything that had happened. So Justice Day, we want to help people who have experienced abuse, but we also want to help and support people who might not understand the abuse that they're in at the right now either because it's different for everyone it's very complicated it's very personal and i mean you're ashamed when you're in it it's a very guilty shameful feeling to be in it and so being around people who you trust and who will support you will ultimately help you realize the wrong that is going on i think it's phenomenal that you're doing this because again with mental illness and with in particular sexual abuse situations what you said about basically becoming isolated and having no one as a support system for you during that time I assume that's what led to the depression and the suicidal thoughts and once you get to that place it's very hard for a lot of people to turn back and move away from that black hole that they're staring down. So during that time that you didn't necessarily have a support system like you do now, what did you do? Did you just go to counseling or were there other things that you were able to do to kind of get you back off of that ledge? Counseling helped a lot. I had, still have an amazing counselor and she would kind of encouraged me to bit by bit tell some people about what had happened. So the first person I told was one of my best friends from nursing school. It was easy to tell her because she didn't know who I was talking about. She wasn't from my hometown. She was totally removed. And so when I told her, she wasn't like, wow, well, he's a really nice guy. So that's hard to believe <laughs> because that was my fear of telling anyone. She was like, oh my God, that is insane. That is terrible. I am so sorry. Please let me know if I can help you. I mean, she just 
listened and accepted everything I had said and I didn't sound crazy to her. So being able to tell like a handful of people helped a lot. And the main thing that honestly kind of got me through it was running. <laughs> I need to write about this for our blog, for our um, website, because I've had this love-hate relationship with running since then because I've used it as a coping mechanism and now I use it as a fulfillment kind of thing. So it's literally covered every spectrum of my life. I used to run to escape from him, honestly. I mean, he would granted track everywhere I ran, but I was able to shut my like texts off. I didn't have to answer him and I could just go out and run for hours. And it was the most freeing thing I had ever done. I mean, I would just get in my zone and just not pay attention to my phone going off. And it was the best feeling. And then when I was feeling really low and depressed, I turned to running and specifically the running community. I made more friends through running. And again, I was able to kind of forget about everything terrible going on in my life. And I could just feel free and at ease for at least 30 minutes a day. So it's actually funny because once this all came to kind of fruition and I had reported to the police and the investigation was going on, I actually stopped running <laughs> because it had been linked to such a terrible time in my life that I had no interest in doing that. That was the last thing I wanted to do. It was such a terrible reminder of how depressed and anxious I was before. Um, so it was very interesting trying to relearn that passion again, which I think this could be honestly applied to a lot of people's hobbies or coping mechanisms that they use. I don't know, people who like to cook. I don't like cooking, but if you like cooking and that was something that was, you know, instrumental in your healing process, it might be kind of hard to go back to cooking once you're healed because it, it's linked to such a terrible time in your life. And that's how running was for me. But then I moved and tried to get back in it, joined a new run club. And that honestly lit a spark in me to start running again. And so now I see running as it's like, it's my friends, it's a community. It's, I feel free. I just let my mind think about whatever I want to think about. I'm not running away from anything. I'm not trying to avoid things. I run because it just makes me feel happy and fulfilled. And it's a totally different side of the coin to how it used to be. But that really is what helped get me through such a terrible time for several years. So I love that you were able to one, use it as a coping mechanism during your hardships and your lowest times, but then you were able to come back to it. And it's like a whole new light that you see now. And you've been so successful in your running career. Tell me some of the, the marathons and stuff that you've done. I mean, it's absolutely remarkable. Thank you. I, I just love it. I don't know. I love it when I don't run fast. And I love it when I do run fast. Just had a marathon in October. I did it virtually because COVID. And so I did it alone 
a friend, uh, actually a couple friends ran with me for a few miles, which it was so nice of them, but I did it in Cincinnati and I did like four of the bridges between Kentucky and Cincinnati four times. That is a lot of elevation. That is, that is a lot. I, I don't really know what I was thinking. That might not have been the best idea, but I had so much fun. I ended with a smile and it wasn't even my slowest marathon. So I'd say it was a win. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. And I think a lot of people, I know for myself included, I used to use running when I was running more often as a time to clear my head, put my phone away, just kind of like get in the zone. It's almost like a therapeutic form of like an emotional release in a sense. I talked to a friend of mine, she's a social worker, but she was saying how running, actually there's science that proves just the repetitive footwork of running, just the back and forth, the one, two, one, two, one, two, can actually like relax our brains. Like it actually is something that is known to be therapeutic. Just that simple back and forth of your feet, which is so interesting, but I completely believe it. <laughs> yeah, I believe it too. It's just like a consistent pattern, something routine yes. that your mind can focus on. And it just like, like yeah. you said, I guess it relaxes it. Mm -hmm. So what does the future look like for Justice Day Association? What do you hope to, to build out of this nonprofit? So it's, it's weird starting a business and it's especially weird starting it in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but whatever. Um, so it took a lot of brainstorming to figure out the direction we wanted to go. So right now we try to do things to make people feel heard, seen, valued, and feel part of a community. To do that, we have decided that events, that let people come and just hang out are one of the things we do. We also have events where we actually have more like a group discussion. So if you want to talk more specifically about anything, you can do it in a very safe space, hear other people's opinions. And then we also have done some interviews with people who are you know, experts on abuse and relationships. And we also have a blog that people can write whatever they want or, you know, submit artwork or whatever to the blog so that maybe someone else reading it or seeing it will feel touched and inspired and get the help that they might be looking for. So the future for us, definitely continue those. And eventually my goal is to work more with some smaller, small towns, more rural areas that don't have the resources that we do here in Louisville. We are very fortunate that we have such an amazing, huge shelter and services for people who have experienced domestic violence and sexual abuse, but a lot of small towns don't have that. And I think that was part of the reason that my experiences lasted as long as they did. I wasn't aware of any resources, if we even had any because it was a small town, it was easy to be isolated and forgotten there, just baseline. So I would really like to be able to work with 
smaller organizations to help them reach out to more people and kind of let people know about their offerings too. I think a good aspect of our nonprofit is because we do things, a lot of things online, like the blogs, it's very easy for people who don't live in Louisville to be involved and to share their stories and to feel heard. It's not that you have to drive to Louisville to get to a group or you have to, you know, drive however far away to talk to people, to relate to people. You can do it through the blog, through our like Instagram live videos that we've done. There's other ways to virtually connect with people, which I think is very helpful if you don't have resources readily available in your town. Yes, I agree. I think that especially during this time where quarantine and the domestic violence rates probably went up, I think that what you're doing is significant even more so right now. And providing that space and those resources to people, like you said, in those more rural areas, people that don't have the accessibility that maybe people in the city do is crucial. So you're doing really amazing work. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here was to highlight what you're doing because it's incredible. So what's some advice you can give to either someone struggling with their mental health or someone who is in a situation of abuse or is trying to come out of that situation? What, what's the biggest takeaway from your experience that you can provide them? So first with mental health, I think it's a trap whenever you are going through something hard and you think you're the only one in the world going through that hard thing. That is, I mean, when, to already feel isolated and then to just have your mind put you further into isolation, making you believe that you are it. You are the only person ever in the world, in the history of the world, to go through what you're going through. And that is the most false thing your mind can tell you because you're not the only one. Granted, you might have specifics about your particular situation that is different than someone else's, but ultimately, a lot of people can relate to you and you are not alone. You are not the only one going through this. I'm not trying to make it sound like a slap in the face to people who are going through tough times, not at all, but it should be reassuring to you to know that there are people out there like you. There are people who can understand you and relate to you and help you. The hard part is honestly just getting out there and trying to find those people because you get in the slump where like, again, your mind just tells you, that's it. I'm done. This is it. I'm the only one feeling this way. No one will ever understand me. And you think you're just nailing your coffin <laughs> coffin at that point. And you're not, that's not the truth. So just trying to remember, even in your tough days and your tough times, that you are not the only one. There are people just like you who are also looking for a community for safety, for reassurance, for someone to care about them. A lot of people are in that same boat. So keeping that in mind, even on the worst of the worst days, I think can be a little reassuring to people. Now, as far as if you're 
possibly in an abusive situation, specifically a sexually abusive situation, and let it be known that those are very sneaky because I've talked about this in a blog before, but sex feels good. And just because your body thinks it's feeling good doesn't mean it's consensual still. That does not equal the same thing. Having an orgasm does not equal consensual sex. And I think that is lost in the shuffle because no one wants to talk about that because it's very personal and very taboo for our culture. But I think a lot of shame is carried with it because you think, well, I didn't want to, but I mean, it was fine. It's whatever. It was not a big deal. And so you tell yourself that when truly that's not, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> that's your body's literally natural reaction that you have zero control over. So that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you wanted it. That doesn't mean you were asking for it. That doesn't mean you were okay with it. That doesn't mean it should have happened at all. And that goes for men, that goes for women. So I think taking that out of the equation and really evaluating, you know, is this what I want? Is this who I want to be having this, these intimate moments with? Is this okay with me? I mean, am I even understanding like what's going on? Getting down to that and understanding if you truly aren't wanting to have sex with someone, then then that's a no. Then they're not doing it with your consent, period. So if you find yourself in that situation and just because your body is saying it's it feels good, but you're actually saying it's not okay with you, try to reach out to someone and maybe talk to a friend or someone that you trust about it. Because saying it out loud to someone sometimes has a different effect even on yourself, getting it off your chest, saying, you know what, he did this and I just, I don't really know how I feel about that. I didn't really like that. Sometimes just getting the words out and having someone else be able to listen and give you feedback will really change your perspective on it and kind of make you see the reality of it. Because, I mean, sexual abuse doesn't just have to happen on a drunk Friday night, it happens in relationships all the time. And it's not talked about because people think that's their duty. They're supposed to do that. That's, you know, just part of it. And that is not the case either. So really having those conversations and being very candid about your feelings, I think is a really good first step in getting out of those abusive, um, sexually abusive situations. Also, I'm, a huge proponent of um, counseling. So seeing a therapist regularly, I highly recommend. And also if you are in, you know, this area and that, or even not, then check out justicedayassociation.com and you can write to us, write a little blog about it and you might feel better. That helped me a lot when I was first going through a bunch of stuff. I wrote a lot and that was very helpful. So just writing to us and posting it and you might be able to look at it with a uh, new set of eyes. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your experience and talking about Justice Day. Again, I think it is absolutely remarkable because I think something too, in a lot of these situations, 
a lot of people that come out of these situations, they have a different mindset. I think they're so traumatized. They're not able to like bounce back in a healthy way in order to move forward positively. And the fact that you were able to do that and then go so far as to start this nonprofit to help others is wonderful. So congratulations on all of this and all your successes. Thank you. Honestly, it was scary. And there are still days where I'm like, what the heck was I thinking? Why am I doing this? (laughs) But then there are days where, you know what, even if one person benefits from reading a blog or coming to an event or just, you know, hearing about it, like that's, I mean, that's enough. I know I would have wanted this. And surely there's someone else out there who would want it to. So that just is the fuel to my fire. And just keeping that in mind, honestly, that can go for anyone. Even on the days where you think all your work is useless, it's not. If you, like, you just have to keep chugging. That's the hard part is just moving. So just if you keep moving, you're bound to go in the right direction. You're bound to have good things happen. You just have to keep at it. (laughs) Well said. And I agree. And again, thank you so much. And for the listeners, if they would like to follow along with you and learn more about Justice Day, can you tell us your Instagram handle and where people can find you on social media? Yes. So you can follow our Instagram at Justice Day Association and our website is justicedayassociation.com. If you have any questions or anything, then you can get to our contact us page on the website and fill it out and we will message you back. Also my personal page, I get some direct messages on there too for people who might not feel comfortable sharing it to an organization and would rather just talk strictly to one person. So if you want to do that, my Instagram is at Jocelyn Schleg. So J-O-C-E-L-Y-N-S-C-H-L-E-G. Schlegel was already taken, so I had to shorten it to Schleg. (laughs) Um, So yeah, you can find me on there. Message me if you want. I mean, honestly, I've made this kind of my passion in life for a reason. I It's never bothersome to me to talk about this, to listen to you, to try to help you the best I can. And that's ultimately the whole reason why I do everything I do. So do not hesitate to reach out or to say anything. Um, I'm always happy to talk and discuss anything and everything related to trauma, abuse, all the terrible things. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Jocelyn. This was an absolute pleasure speaking with you and having you on the show. So thank you to the listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Wondering Mind podcast. Until next time, maintain your brain and keep on wondering. Thank you for listening to the Wondering Mind podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you wouldn't mind just taking a few moments and leaving us a review, letting us know what you think of the podcast. Also, feel free to follow us on Instagram at the Wondering Mind Podcast and on Twitter at TWM Podcast. <laughs>